to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. Maybe you're listening on the internet, but you are listening to The Breakfast Show. It is Friday morning. It is sunny outside here in Newcastle and you are joined by Lawson and... Tabby. Tabby, so great to have you here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, are you going to be here next week? I will. I will on Tuesday oh, and Wednesday. Let's go, dude. So, uh, well, you're here today. And we're stoked about that. We've come to our last day of the week of the show. What are you grateful for, though? Well, I must say it's probably I'm most grateful for the weekend. Yeah. While I've loved the week, I Mm -hmm. always look forward to the weekend. Got the weekend coming up. Anything special planned? Just relaxing. I've Mm -hmm. had a, you know, it's been a big week. First week of work. Mm -hmm. Time to chill. Oh, that's awesome. Enjoy the Sabbath. Let's go, dude. I totally agree. I am looking forward to enjoying the Sabbath. I've also been so blessed. Uh, one of my friends from Melbourne who I met when I, when I went on a trip down to Melbourne recently, she's come up. She is like, uh, she works for the church as, as a Bible worker, which is a position awesome. where you go and do Bible studies with people. She works full time as a nurse and then as a Bible worker wow. as well. And she, Two types of ministry. her name is Cindy and she's probably one of the most inspiring women I've ever met. She is just so, alive and happy and joyous and so committed and dedicated to the work. Um, and it's so awesome. She's from Malaysia. So Ooh. she's a, she's a Malaysian international and, um, yeah, she's just, she's just doing her thing. It's like, wow. It's, and it's been really awesome to spend time with her. We did a training kind of like a church training with her last night on how we can effectively, you know, give people Bible studies and find interest and yeah, do all the things that we're called to do as Christians. So it's been awesome to spend time with her. We kind of went around to all the beaches in Newcastle, Uh, beautiful weather for it, a dinner. Um, and, uh, one girl who lives here, Maureen, who we've had speak on the show before she cooked us like traditional Ugandan food where was my invite yes (laughs) sorry tabby maybe (laughs) next time but yeah oh it's been such a good week you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different fantastic all right What's happening in the world of positively different news? Okay, so this story is coming out of Los Angeles, oh, LA. Okay. okay. Have you been to Los Angeles before? I actually have. Same? Yep. Uh, I don't think I'll be going there for a long time yet, but it's a good experience. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, uh, four Los Angeles police officers have been hailed heroes okay. after pulling a man from a crash uh, from a plane crash just before he was almost hit by a speeding commuter train. Okay, that's hectic. So the man was actually a pilot flying a single-engine Cessna Mm -hmm. and he crashed into some train tracks just near Whiteman Airport in the San Fernando Valley. There was some CCTV footage that captured the whole episode um, and and I've actually watched it. It's very dramatic. Mm. You just see these police officers... The plane hit the tracks, police officers just sprint on over, Mm. pull him from the tracks, and then seconds later the train goes racing past. (sighs) This quick action by the police officers saved the pilot's life. So he is in hospital recovering, um, Mm -hmm. but he's still able to be a pilot in the future. Um, If he didn't, (laughs) I mean, I was thinking if he really didn't enjoy his, you know, pilot job that much, being a train driver, there would have been other ways to apply for that role than to just <laughs> crash just, into just, the just, tracks. Yeah, that's right. But, yes, yeah, they're heroes. Oh, so. wow, that's incredible. So this guy sustained what I imagine not, like, well, from a plane crash, you'd think that he would be very injured, but 
He seemed to have minor injuries. Um, okay. Still recovering in hospital. They didn't go into great detail, mm-hmm. um, but he has good prospects of recovery. I wonder. What, wait, so I wonder which kind of train tracks he ran in. Like, did he hit like a bridge or like what was he? No, straight down he into just, okay. the tracks. Okay, he he just lost control. He was just struggling big time. Well, well the these Cessnas are questionable though. They are. Oh man. My my Cessna story, my scary Cessna story, because like Ooh. yeah, single engine like propeller planes are kind of scary. And yes. uh, oh, dude, one time we were going up to Burke. I was going. They were flying us out there to preach on this like single engine plane, and you rock up at six a.m. Yeah. and they they you jump on the plane and they take you up there. And um, they you know had done a bunch of checks and they were, they had loaded everything on the plane and they were just about to start the engine and we're like sitting inside the plane. And then one of the mechanics runs in who wasn't who was there the day before and it's like, oh, you can't take that plane. The manifold bracket is like bo- broken and the vibration will like cause one of the wings to fail or something. I was like, yikes. And like, <laughs> so you have to basically Flintstone it off the runway. <laughs> so I, don't know, I don't know. There was something, there was something wrong with it and it would have been not good to fly. And they were like, Oh, so jump in this other plane. And then we had to do extra checks and we got there late. Um, but yeah, do I could imagine that that, yeah, but this guy is just crashing into the tracks. He, he would have yeah. been struggling. So do they know what the cause of the crash was? Did he like go unconscious? Did um, yeah. They didn't specify. I think that they weren't sure. It's probably engine failure, as it is with many yeah, of the light plane sure. crashes. Mm. Um, but I mean, the main thing is that these officers acted quickly and saved this That's man's right. life. Praise God for these guys who have just Amen. gotten in and gotten it done. I think it's um, fearless, much needed positive PR for LAPD for, for the for the LAPD as That's well. That's right. The Foothill Division officers. Hats off to you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. What's how, what else is happening in positively different news? Well, moving to the animal kingdom. Okay. Yep. A rookie lifeguard saved a kangaroo from the surf <laughs> in northern New South Wales this week. So apparently the kangaroo was taking a dunk, a dunk in the – what was the location? I'll find it later. Oh, yeah, there we go. Bundjalung National okay. Park. Okay, so – and it just jumped into the beach. Yeah, I think it really got confused with the type of animal it was. Decided to <laughs> yeah. experience the water, not realizing it couldn't swim. <laughs> um, onlookers watched the kangaroo start to struggle in the water. Um, two junior lifeguards, um, one the the rescuer was Lillian, mm-hmm. was just a brand new lifeguard and never made a rescue before. Noticed oh. poor kangaroo, we can uh-huh. call kangaroo Skippy, decided. <laughs> Also thought quick and was very heroic, grabbed her rescue board, went into the surf and steered the kangaroo back to shore. So the kangaroo eventually got to the, the place where it could stand and just hopped off into the bushes. Do no can- resuscitation was needed, I can confirm. Do- oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Do kangaroos usually swim at the beach? Look, I wasn't aware of that. I've been to the beach many times. I've, I've never, never seen, seen a kangaroo. I've seen lots of kangaroos uh, in, in my time. And, uh, and oh, man, Lyle as well. You know, we've talked a few times on the show about kangaroos and uh, the methods that they're using to depopulate uh, Australia from kangaroos because oh. there's too many of them. And now this kangaroo, I think, was just trying to depopulate itself, like yes. just jumping into the... I couldn't imagine they would be able to swim well. They do have like a massive Yeah, they've tail. got really small hands as well. So yeah. you'd really have to come from the tail and the feet. But no, it really did 
drown, almost drowned, but was rescued. Oh, that's awesome. It could Great be job. because the kangaroo was an eastern grey kangaroo. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're more adventurous yeah. <laughs> or it maybe sort of overly ways, confident. Um, so, yeah, Lillian was a local hero. She was on the news and she's mm. now had her first rescue as a junior lifesaver. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so just to ta- change the topic a bit, Ooh, okay. ha- what is the the latest thing you've watched um, that's Christian-focused on Netflix or a- Amazon? Um, ooh, the latest thing. Personally, like, I deleted, like, Netflix and Spotify and Amazon. I deleted, like, everything I owned, like, three months ago. So oh. uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing, like, med- media fast ca- kind of thing. You guys should keep listening to Faith FM because it's a blessing. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Great yeah, I, I'm in a bit of a cleanse at the moment. But, oh, the last thing that I watched that was Christian, I think I watched, like, an episode of The Chosen, like, four months ago or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, That's sure. really great. Sure. Recommend that. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, a film, a 28-year-old filmmaker called Robbie Fat in Sydney. <gasps> okay, I know this guy. Yeah, yeah. He is making amazing films, and he is reaching um, world media standards. He's mm-hmm. now made a Christian film that will feature on Amazon and potentially other um, channels like Netflix very soon. Wow, let's go. Yep. So he's very, um, very experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made a ninety-minute movie called Everything I Am, which takes a show don't tell approach to Christianity. Mm. So it's not like a, a preachy kind of of movie. It's actually a practical one. Mm. So the film follows a journey of a homeless Asian teenager Nathaniel and his encounter with a Christian girl Rachel, and em- and Rachel's roommate Emily. Mm. So the the film aims to discover a new perspective on Christianity, which goes beyond mm. mere words. Mm. So basically in Robbie's experience, um, and I've seen some of his other films, he's fantastic. Um, he wants to display true Christianity in media for young people because it's very hard to find something wholesome with good values to watch. As Ugh. you know, during, you've experienced during yes. the cleanse. Yes, yes, So the purpose of the film is reshaping perspectives on what religion truly looks like and is inspired by Bible text James one twenty seven, oh, which course. reads, True religion, which God accepts as pure and faultless, is to look at orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Mm. Yeah, we like Lyle and I have uh, done our searching of good Christian media. Actually, oh man, I feel bad that I forgot about this. We recently went and watched the Tortured for Christ movie, the sequel about uh, Richard Wormbrand's wife, Sabina Wormbrand. And we were so inspired by that movie because of the fact, like I, I've, I've consumed a fair bit of Christian media. I didn't grow up Christian. So mm. it was, it's only in my later life that I've kind of gotten into it. I didn't grow up with like Veggie Tales or whatever. You missed out. Yeah. There's still time lost. <laughs> That's right. Well, when I have kids, then I'll kind of be going through that process. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that we found with a lot of Christian media, but was so inspiring with this Richard Wormbrand movie was that idea of practical Christianity, people living out a life of faith um, where they are encountering challenges and obstacles mm. um, that can only really be solved by their faith. And it sounds like this movie as well, it's trying to get that message across and not just of, oh, God is cool because he made my life better. Know that God isn't worth living without because how can we face our challenges otherwise? Wow, that's powerful Absolutely. Stuff. And look it up on YouTube. It's uh, Everything I Am. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, 
our new uh, addition to the studio, Eliza, what, what, do, you, do you think you might know what the answer is to that one? I think I know, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to You're not say. allowed. You're allowed at all. <laughs> not just yet, Eliza, but you can text in for 200 <laughs> <laughs> Nah, she's in the studio. She can't, she, can't, she can't play the quiz. She can't see the answers on my screen. Well, Eliza, thank you for joining us. We're going to be talking to you in the interview section, but it's great to, to have you here. It's great to be here in person. That's right. Usually you're calling in on, over the phone That's in right. Brisbane, but yeah. now you're sitting across from us. This is fantastic. In person. Who knew? Well, we're going to be covering some topics now, getting into our more current news that you might actually be able to give us some insight on, not necessarily maybe the specific situations, but in terms of the people um, involved. We wanted to talk about Prince Andrew. Um, and everything that's She's going making on. a face. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. Hey, look. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> there, well, uh, in, in light, well, I'll give you a brief rundown of essentially what's going on if you're not aware. In light of everything that's gone, that's recently taken place, um, with Jeffrey Epstein and just Lane Maxwell and the, uh, all of the uh, sexual assault and trafficking allegations that have happened there, uh, Prince Andrew is one of the figures caught up in that, and he mm. is currently being tried and investigated because of it. Mm. Um, and because of that, recently, uh, well, I think yesterday, uh, he was stripped of all of his royal titles. So oh. he's no, no longer called the Duke of York. Uh, he is no longer referred oh. to as His Royal Highness. He no longer holds any position uh, within the military, uh, which he held numerous. He was... Uh, the let's see, he was the British. Uh, his his honorary titles were he was the um, co- Colonel in Chief of the Royal Irish Regiment. He was the Colonel in Chief of the Small Arms School. He was the Commodore in Chief of the Fleet Air Arm. The Royal Colonel of the Royal Highland Fusiliers. I think I, I think that's the correct word. Maybe the incorrect pronunciation. Deputy Deputy Colonel in Chief of the Loy, of the Royal Lancers and Royal Colonel of the Royal Regiment of Scotland. So he has lost all those titles um, in the midst of this allegation. Now, does this mean he is guilty? Good question. Has uh, he been we convicted don't know of anything? Uh, no. The ultimate answer is no. But. Uh, this came in the wake of 150 military veterans riding into the Queen mm. and and requesting that this take place. Uh, essentially, they're saying that they might think that he's guilty. Mm. Um, and he's giving them a bad name. And he's giving them a bad name. I think this is the biggest thing is, is through association. Um, yeah. I think it's, it, it's, it's twofold. The first one is through association. It's like, hey, we don't want this guy to ref- reflect the British military. Mm. You know, please, please cut him off. The second one is that from the perspective of those watching the trial and whether mm. justice will actually be served, mm. if a person who holds, you know, royal status... Second son of the queen. That's right. If he is gets off, then it could be seen as, oh, he yeah. just, you know, he, he got good lawyers, he has privilege and influence, and then mm. therefore he wasn't given a fair trial. So mm. I think the Queen here is really communicating to everyone, no, this is going to go down properly. You have to think, though, that this is a terrible situation, like, to, to be in. Um, for the family itself, I think, yeah. you know, if, if it comes out at the end of the day that Prince Andrew is guilty and he's done all these things and that's awful and he should reser- like mm. receive the justice that he deserves, if it comes out that he didn't do it, well, then he'll be acquitted and everyone will move on. And mm. Allegations are difficult. Um, mm. Reputation is really fragile. Mm. Um, and even with allegations, they're very, you're very easily tainted by that and you'll be remembered like that for years to come. Yeah, so. that's right. 
They're making a decision to separate themselves from Prince Andrew at this time and will wait for the outcome. Well, Tabby, actually, you are a, a law student. So, well, you've graduated and you're kind of working in that kind of area now. Um, what's your perspective on this? Uh, look, I couldn't comment. I wouldn't say that <laughs> I know too much about this case. Um, I would I would say that I would not like to be a judge in this situation mm. um, because the decision that you make has huge implications for the royal family and the world. So if you do find him guilty, I don't know what that means for the judge in the future. Um, nice. But in terms of justice, I hope that justice is done mm-hmm. um, and that they look at the evidence objectively and that he gets the outcome, the um, the judge's decision that should be made um, that, and they're not influenced by any of his royal privileges. That's right. I think fortunately for everyone involved, Prince Andrew is the Queen's second son mm. and the Queen has a very healthy and popular grandson yeah. so um, who has a, a very healthy family. Yeah, that's right. If we're, if we're so, looking at potential candidates for, you he's, know. He's kind of expendable. That's right. Unfortunately. <laughs> kind of expendable. Um, what I is mean, he really known for, though? I mean, when you he's, think about he, it. You, you know, you have the heir and you have the spare, and he is <laughs> the spare of the spare he's of like the, the spare. spare child. <laughs> and so I suppose from that perspective, it's not going to destroy the monarchy if he is found guilty. That's and right. So there's less pressure on the monarchy, there's less pressure on judges, and mm. the whole situation is, is a bit diffused. Mm. However, the only job that the royal family's really allowed to have is in the military mm. or in charity. And so, you know, what's he going to do with himself? Yeah. You know, when the devil makes white for idle hands. Yeah. I think he's got a large fortune behind him, so I think he'll be yeah. okay. Well, but then, well, I don't know. Purpose you, in life? Who knows? Oh, yikes. I, that, that would actually be, it would be tough to be in his position. But then at the same time, if he's found guilty, yeah. then it's like, you, you, you kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before getting yourself in this situation. Mm. Hey, this is a story I was going to cover yesterday. Uh, is some statistics that have come out about the leading cause of death in the world for 2021. Mm. Um, I didn't get to cover it yesterday because mm. we talked too much about North Korea, but we <laughs> will talk about it today. Um, okay, I'm gonna. This is quiz time. Uh, well, not necessarily a quiz because How I've given points? you no time to prepare. <laughs> um, but. What do you guys think are the is the leading cause of death in 2021 like, I around say, the world? I want to say COVID because, you know, it's the pandemic and everything, but usually it's like cardiovascular disease. Mm. Um, well, actually, COVID came in third or COVID-related mm. deaths came in third. There's, Competitive. There's a bit of a discrepancy because <laughs> it's like COVID... Specific COVID deaths, there were around uh, three and a half million last year. And then, but then COVID related deaths or deaths mm. that kind of came along with COVID, you know, maybe someone uh, was struggling with cancer and then got COVID and then died, mm. um, was around 12 million. So that was actually, that's second place. Uh, sorry, third place. Okay. And then in second place, you have um, actually cancer worldwide, uh, around 8.2 million Sad. deaths. Okay. First place. With 42.6 million deaths. It sounds like it's going to be something positive, but it's no, actually it really is. sad. This is, this is actually incredibly sad. Um, it is abortion. Oh, oh wow. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. So, again. Well, good news. That's preventable. Yes. This is this is something that we've covered on the show a number of times, kind of talking about, um, yeah, just all the situations that are going down in the world in terms of uh 
how it's played out in legislation and we've talked about specific instances and whatnot. Um, and the thing that we always appeal to on Faith FM, we, you know, we are always here um, offering people and saying, hey, like people who experience abortion or go through abortion, if you're a mm-hmm. woman who's received an abortion, you're usually in a, not usually, but in a lot of cases you're in a, a terribly difficult situation maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of that coin though, a lot of abortions happen um, because of convenience. That being said, it is a difficult thing to go through no matter which mm-hmm. side of the coin you're on, no matter mm-hmm. which situation you're in. Um, and it's it's incredibly hard. And we are always, like one of the things we've been a big advocate for is in certain countries where they put legislation into not um, – prosecute the people who are receiving abortions but the people who are giving abortions right. um you know so that people wise yeah because it's like you don't deserve it if you don't deserve to be mm-hmm. prosecuted if you're in such a fragile family and mental and social situation to, mm-hmm. that would lead to you getting a, an abortion yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately all of that being said we now see the proof in the pudding of like oh why is this potentially a bad thing oh because this ultimately has led to 42.6 million children not being born. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But Eliza Southwell joining us to talk about all things history. Last year we covered the history of Christians within or Christianity within colonial Australia. Oh, that's right. But now we're kind of... We're, t- we're turning a corner here. We're shifting <laughs> gears. We're changing topics. What will we be covering in this period? So uh, this year we're not looking at colonial Australia anymore. We're mm-hmm. looking at um, something we call the church in the wilderness. Now, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a historian term. It's a bit of a Bible prophecy term. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard the term before. It actually comes from Revelation 12, verse 6. Mm-hmm. But I'll just explain a little bit of uh, about what it means So uh, Protestants really tend to focus on, you know, we're going back to the Bible, we're going back to original Christianity. The Catholic response to that is, well, we are the original Christianity. We have the traditions. So what are you even talking about? Um, So the question then is, what link do Protestants have to the apostolic Christianity or the early church, the Mm. faith of the apostles? Um, And actually, there were churches and theological colleges and mission schools all over the world that held to apostolic Christianity and upheld the Bible as the only rule of faith and practice. Um, And the name we have for these different groups of people is the church in the wilderness. Mm. Um, Sometimes sometimes they were highly successful. Um, Other times they were victims of genocide. Yeah, Mm. that's (laughs) true. Persecuted. And... The other problem we have is the Roman church, the the church that was based in Rome, or the Catholic church as we know it today, wrote the history. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of hard to piece together um, what these what these people actually believed mm. um, because the Roman church, of course, said, oh, well, they believed crazy things. And um, <laughs> so Protestants actually have a lot more in common with these churches, the churches in the wilderness, mm. than they do with the Roman church. Mm. Um, so... If you think back to the maybe your year seven history lessons with the Roman Empire, Street, yep. <laughs> and you know the Roman Empire was massive, but Israel was actually just on the edge of it. Mm-hmm. And so, time of Jesus, the gospel goes out from Israel, and it goes through the Roman Empire, but it also goes beyond the Roman Empire. So, mm-hmm. out east of there, you've got 
um, the rest of Syria. You've got um, where Babylon used to be in sure. Mesopotamia. You've got Persia. You've got India, all sorts of places. So um, Lawson seemed to we, – we were – we might have been talking during the song a little bit. Um, <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> and Lawson seemed quite um, excited about this. So I was wondering, Lawson, this is a test for you. Oh, okay. The uh, um, Philip, uh-huh. who was one of the disciples, uh-huh. he there's a story in Acts about a time when he was talking to someone from a different place. Yes. And some, somewhere outside the Roman Empire, do you remember where that person was from? He was from the nation or the kingdom at the time of Ethiopia. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So he was their finance minister. That's right. Mm. And um, Philip kind of met him on the road, had mm. a Bible study, had a baptism service, and he kind mm. of went off and we don't hear about him again. Mm. Um, we hear a lot more about Paul's missionary journeys, where Paul went, the people Paul talked to. Um, Paul went mainly in uh, to the people of the Roman Empire, to mm. the Greeks and so on. Um, but one of the places he went was in Greece technically, or in Asia Minor technically, but it wasn't ethnically Greek. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea what city I'm talking about? Um, okay, so it's technically in Asia Minor. Yes. Okay. My, my mind goes to like Philippi. But Ooh, it would no. be close, right? Cause Philippi was was a Macedonian city. Oh, Macedon. Okay. Yikes. But the uh, church at Galatia. Oh, Galatia. yeah, Actually, of course. Yeah. If, if you think about how Galatia is spelt, the first bit, Gal, mm. yeah. comes from Gaul. Yeah. Okay. So they're actually, well, we might call them French today. Mm-hmm. So they're wow. from France. They, um, early in the Roman Empire, they went through Rome, raping and pillaging kind of thing, and then mm. they settled in Galatia. Mm-hmm. And so Paul wrote to the Galatians. He stayed with the Galatians. Mm. Peter, um, Paul says, um, he planted the seeds, but Peter watered. Mm. Or maybe Peter says that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when the gospel went to Galatia, obviously these people had you know, common um, regular communication with their, their families back in France, mm. in Gaul. And so the gospel went to France very quickly after it went to Galatia. And then from France into Britain, into Ireland, and the whole um, Celtic Christianity, which mm. we we don't hear a lot about because we you know, we think of ancient Rome and we forget how powerful the Gauls were mm. um, and how much of a rival kingdom they were. So um, through Paul's missionary efforts to Galatia, actually the gospel ended up going wow. much further. Wow. We also have another disciple that we don't tend to think of very highly, yeah, unfortunately. That's <laughs> um, but his name was Thomas, of course, mm. Doubting, Doubting Thomas. Thomas. Mm. Poor guy. I'm really looking forward to meeting him in heaven. Um, but he, uh, he, so we, um, Acts talks about the church in Antioch, the, the, the believers that met in Antioch. And actually, in Antioch, in Syria, uh, followers of Jesus were called Christians for the first time. Mm. It was a derogatory term. It was like, oh, you're like little messiahs. Mm. Um, but actually, it caught. Yeah. And and so Thomas went into Syria, and he went into, especially he um, founded a church in a city called Edessa, which mm. is a little bit more inland than Antioch. Um, and from the church in Edessa, which was massively missionary, um, 
they had missionaries going into Persia, in modern-day Iran, um, into India, into Parthia, uh, modern-day Baghdad, um, Iraq, and also into China from there. Uh, we know that um, they uh, translated a, a Syrian translation of the Bible that's actually still in use today. Wow. And um, Thomas himself uh, ended up in India, and he he was killed there. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we see that the Bible and Christianity and, and biblical Christianity was not just confined to the Roman Empire. That's right. And so when Roman Christianity took over, um, which we might talk about a little bit later, um, when Roman Christianity took over the, the different churches around the Roman Empire, they didn't take over the church, the ch- the Celtic churches and the Church of Syria and the Church of Mesopotamia and, mm. and Ethiopia and so on. Yeah, I, I think it's simply because they were unreachable. Like, right. By the time Roman Christianity kind of came in and came to fruition, you know, 3rd, 4th century and then started to gain power around the 5th century, mm. like, like we see that at that time, like Rome is struggling to increase its be- in borders. In fact, it's splitting in half, it's imploding. It's- yeah, and the Germans are invading <laughs> for 200 years. That's right. Yeah. Mm, so so these guys were safe, like they were out there adhering to the Bible. Yes, and when you look more closely at where that phrase comes from, the church in the wilderness, and Revelation 12, verse 7, we see that um, God is actually, so it's part of a prophecy Mm -hmm. of the Bible, Mm -hmm. and the context of it is that God is protecting his people from total annihilation, from genocide. Mm. And one of the ways he does that is to take them into the wilderness, into out-of-the-way places that's obviously from, from historical context outside the Roman Empire. Mm. It's kind of in the, in the highways and byways. Mm. Um, and it's in those places that biblical Christianity, apostolic Christianity, um, early Christianity flourishes. Mm. And so it's... Over this year, we're going to be looking more deeply into, well, what exactly did the church in Syria believe and how did it progress and Mm. what was its relationship with Islam when it came up? Mm. And so all of those questions we're going to dive deeper into throughout the year. Awesome stuff. I think what this really reveals to me is that as we said, we only covered the the journeys of Paul throughout the book of Acts. Mm. And it seems like Paul went everywhere. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, Paul's the guy. He's, like, ticking all these boxes. Like, you know, well, he very much is amongst the first missionaries, him yes. and Barnabas going out. And, and and it was obviously very strategic for the church to use him to reach Romans because he himself was Roman mm. and mm. Jewish and Christian and very smart and wrote lots of stuff, uh, which, which contributed to... The- he was an awesome guy. Yeah, that's right. But it, it just makes so much sense that, of course, if you've got this cross-cultural, boundary-hopping religion that's mm. going everywhere through one guy, Paul, there's got to be... The, what, what happened to the rest of the apostles? Right. And they're, they're getting out there and doing the work. The rest of the apostles were so busy doing the work and they weren't particularly bookish. And so <laughs> maybe they didn't write as much as Paul. That's right. But, you know, we... We imagine, you know, all of the books Paul wrote to his churches, mm. you know, times by 12 mm. uh, for, for each of the apostles. It's, it's just, I mean, we don't have, a lot of that history has been lost. Mm. A lot of the history has been covered over. Mm. Um, a lot of the history has been, you know, oh, don't worry about them. They were Nestorians or they mm. were Arians or they mm. didn't believe that Jesus was really God. Mm. Well, how much evidence is that is there for that really? Or is that yeah. just a slander? Like we, it's it's hard to get to grips with mm. the nitty gritty of what 
what did people actually believe in? So that's what we'll be doing. Or like evidence was like counterfeited as well. If you think it like mm. the proliferation of like Gnostic, you know, beliefs and whatnot by assuming the names and the titles of these guys, mm. like a little bit after, like think about, you know, the gospel of Thomas, for example, is like the right. Gnostics wrote a gospel about Jesus. Like they wrote, uh, covered the story again, but then included a bunch of ridiculous situations right. and Gnostic ideas and then yeah. assumed their titles like Thomas, because these guys at the time were famous figures mm-hmm. who had been with Jesus, who are out there starting churches. Like mm-hmm. if you were in the Christian world and you had perspective of how the mission was going around the world at that time, it was like, of course they knew who Thomas was. <laughs> He's the guy starting all the churches all over the place. Like, of course they knew who Philip was. Of course they yeah. knew these guys. And so then like, I see a very clear connection there that, Oh no, these guys were definitely out there doing work because mm-hmm. then why would people be trying to impersonate them and name try and, drop them. yeah, name drop them yeah. and then infiltrate the church with incorrect yeah. ideas. That's it. So yeah. Oh, super interesting history, man. I'm like, I'm like so hyped, but obviously <laughs> we're just, we're just salting the oats right now. We're just giving yeah, you guys some time. We have to, the rest of the year that's to, right. to answer all these questions and go in depth. Mm, definitely. Actually, oh, we have like a minute and 40 seconds left. Let's, let's go to the book of Revelation just to, just to f- finish off because I want to see, um, specifically where this idea comes from and how we can be, yeah, just assured from the Bible that we're kind of going down a track which God prophetically laid out. So if we pick it up, Revelation chapter 12, and Tabby, maybe you want to read for us, um, once you get there. Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to be picking it up. Um, in verse, if I'm reading correctly here. Oh yeah. Chapter 12 and let's, let's cover like verse one to five. One to five. Okay. The woman and the dragon, a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, 10 horns, seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept through a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour the, her child. Mm. Yeah, so we see here, like, there's a woman here. She's about to give birth to a child. And then if we pick up in verse 5, it says she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. This is a very clear prophecy hearkening back to ones that have been made previous about Christ coming. Uh, but then it follows it up in verse 6. And it says, then this woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. We know that a woman in Bible prophecy is a representation of his church, his people. And as a result of persecution, they head into the wilderness to not be affected or killed or genocided, as you Mm. mentioned earlier, Eliza. So this is kind of the prophetic, the biblical roots that we see of this amazing work then taking place. So we'll be covering the, we we see here the prophetic cause, you could say. We're going to be covering the effect as we dive deeper into the Church of the Wilderness. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.